It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I am Tony Bernetti from Feds, Federal Employee Defense Services, and today is Friday, May 5th, 2017, and hey, it's Cinco de Mayo. Just, I just thought about that, and it is a miserable Cinco de Mayo here in Washington, D.C. It's just raining, raining pretty hard, but that's okay because we've got a great show for you today. We are doing one of our popular agency spotlight shows where we pick a federal agency that some folks may not know a whole lot about, and we showcase that agency to our listeners. And since next week here in D.C. is Police Week, where we honor all the federal, which includes military, state, and local law enforcement officers who paid the ultimate sacrifice and lost their lives in the line of duty, I thought it's only fitting that we showcase a federal law enforcement agency today. So we'll be talking about the very important work that the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, NCIS, as they're known for their TV show, you know, does for our country. And I'm delighted to have in studio with me a couple of officials um, from NCIS. First, let me introduce Andrew Lockley. Andrew is the assistant director for the cyber directorate at NCIS. Good morning, Drew, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tony. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We were uh, supposed to also have um, Deputy Director um, Samuel Worth in here um, this morning, but he got thrust into action for an important operational matter. So they they dispatched someone from their communications department. We're we're pleased to have um, Ed Bice from their communication department in here. Good morning, Ed. No comment. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for having us. You bet. Just a reminder that Fed Talk is brought to you by Federal Long Term Care Partners. Long Term Care. Partners administers the Office of Personnel Management sponsored federal long term care insurance program. For more information, go to www.ltcfeds.com. That's ltcfeds.com. So, Drew, let me start with you and have you kind of big picture um, introduce the NCIS to our listeners. You know, most people know the TV show. You know, NCIS, obviously, are the three different, you know, ones that they have. But that's Hollywood. You know, tell us about real world NCIS. Well, um, I would just start to, and say this is exactly like the TV show. Everything you see on TV <laughs> is, is real. But in, in all seriousness, this is a, a phenomenal agency. Um, we are very unique. Uh, we are civilian special agents, uh, 1811 grades. Um, and, and our job is to conduct criminal and counterintelligence investigations and operations in support of the Department of the Navy. So what that really means is um, the Navy is a worldwide entity. Um, they have a presence all over the world. And, and our job is to protect them from threats so that they can ensure readiness. They have a job to do, and our job is to, to counter, mitigate, and investigate those threats to them. 
And I wish also mention because a lot of people don't realize when we say Navy that also includes the Marine Corps, uh, you know, a- as well. Absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, like my Navy friends will always tell the the Marine Corps guys that their check is still is still signed by the by the Secretary of the Navy. They are, <laughs> and um, you know, we are very fortunate to work with the the Navy and Marine Corps side by side. They're they're a great bunch of sailors, Marines, Department of the Navy civilians, um, dependents of our active duty members, sailors, and Marines. So. So tell us just a little, just um, put, give us a little bit more information on kind of the the organizational um, structure. You know, I, you know, I commented, you know, that I love doing these these shows because I always I always learn something um, as I was preparing and looking at the FAQs on on your website. Um, a, I was surprised to see how many special agents NCIS had, um, you know, but and was surprised at how many different locations they were stationed at and what really surprised me that you've got one in every big ship out there too yep we are um we're a a small workforce but a large workforce we have over a thousand special agents we have a uh, two thousand employees but we're we're spread around the world over 150 locations um, we have agents on on carriers um, and marine args we have agents that are assigned to embassies uh, remote locations in the United States and abroad. So basically, wherever the Navy and the Marine Corps um, is working and and needs to be, we're going to be there with them. So essentially, it, it, you know, I, I find this interesting. I'm sure, you know, as a sort of a little bit of a federal employee or law enforcement junkie, um, you know, how does it work? You're co-located, you know, with kind of these other law enforcement functions, whether, you know, it's the military police, I forget what they call them for the Navy, you know, or the other, you know, the special investigation units and things like that. You know, how do you all coexist? You know, how does the jurisdictional stuff really work? So the unique thing about NCIS that that we're federal agents, we're special agents, um, we are the lead law enforcement agency for the Department of the Navy. So we carry with that unique authorities. So in conducting felony level investigations and operations for the Navy, we do it on the installations, off the installations, aboard ships, and in cyberspace. So what's great about that is we are the only entity in in the Department of the Navy that can take those authorities and pursue those adversaries outside the fence line. So that's that's what we bring to the table. And we do have a lot of law enforcement partnerships. Um, we partner with federal agencies, state and local law enforcement, um, Marine CID, mastered arms within the Navy, and and we need to have that partnerships because with a worldwide mission. We need to share information. We need to work together, or else those threats are going to grow. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, you know, everything, right? Since nine eleven is about national security on some level or another, and that was the sort of big takeaway um, when we studied um, a lot of that stuff after nine eleven was the need for all of our, um, you know, law enforcement sector and components to work together, share information. You know, it used to be we used to divide, you know, every everything up. Um, you know, but, you know, it's so important to kind of break down those barriers and, um, you know, work work together. Um, tell us, I guess, tell us a little bit about, you know, the national security work that, that folks may do at the NCIS. Well, we, we have um, a wonderful military. We have the strongest military in the world and we have to protect them. So there there's a lot of threats to information. Um, the, the pillars of NCIS um, prevent terrorism protect secrets, 
reduce crime. So there is a lot of things across the gamut from a national security perspective that the Navy and the Marine Corps are targeted for. So we we have agents with other organizations like the uh, NCIJT or the uh, FBI's JTTF. Um, we have local task forces, and it's all about becoming aware of the threat and how we can spread the resources that we have. Because even though we are 1,200 special agents and 2,000 personnel worldwide, that is that is a a relatively small presence. So from a counterintelligence standpoint, we have to partner with those other law enforcement and intelligence agencies. We have to partner with foreign law enforcement intelligence partners. We've got to share that information because it cannot be stovepiped or siloed or else we're not going to be effective. Right. I know I, I said, you know, 1,200 is, you know, a large number to me, you know, but just kind of, you know, knowing, that, you know, what's really out there in, in the federal government. But you're right. You're, you're spread thin and you need to rely, you know, on, you know, the partners out there as well as technology sharing. Um, you know, I imagine, I imagine is, is very, very important. So you mentioned those 1,200 special agents. Just for our listeners who may not know, um, you, you all are headquarters on Quantico, right? Yes. Quantico, yes. Virginia. Tell us a little bit about the, the special agent training, you know, they, they go through. So our special agents, we go through the same training that um, most of the other federal agencies go, go through, Secret Service, the U.S. Marshal Service. We go down to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Um, special agents go through a basic course that all 1811 series um, special agents go through. And then they have, uh, that's approximately four months. And then they have an NCIS-specific add-on program where you learn the, the mission of NCIS and how we do business particular to our organization. And that's um, about 11 weeks now. So it's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's, a, it's a challenging training. Mm-hmm. And then when you get out, you'll be on a probationary period where you'll be expected to meet certain training requirements to get you to execute the mission. Right. And, you know, just so our, you know, our listeners know, I mean, this, you know, people who aren't, you know, that familiar with federal law enforcement, I mean, this is, you know, this is like the FBI for the Navy and the Marines, essentially. They're going through, you know, these are your special agents, you know, like the FBI agents, DEA agents, ATF agents. You know, they're going through the same or similar, you know, training out there. Yes. The, the trainings on legal aspects, firearms, defensive tactics, crime scene investigations, how to bring, bring uh, build a case. And what's unique about us is, since we are worldwide, is we may present a case to a military court to prosecute. We may present it to a federal court to prosecute. So it is the uniqueness of our mission to be diverse and to be worldwide that gives us these capabilities. And, and, and just like you mentioned, we train just like the other organizations. Um, we investigate general crimes, so sexual assaults, murder, narcotics, white-collar crimes, um, counterintelligence, espionage, counterterrorism. So just like what you see the FBI doing, we're doing it, but it's it's impacting the Department of the Navy. And some cases it impacts the greater national security because that's that partnership with the other agencies. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I am here with Drew Lockley from NCIS, and we are talking about the important work that the men and women do at NCIS. We'll continue our discussion about the Naval, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service after this break and a word from our sponsor. 
Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. I am Tony Bernetti and I'm here with Andrew Lockley from Naval Criminal Investigative Service and we are talking about the important work and mission of the NCIS. Uh, right before we bro- well, we broke, I you know sort of had you um, explain um, you know the kind of training your agents go through and I was trying to draw the example how you know just like all the other federal agents um, out there and the reason I was doing that is because some of these other agencies are just more familiar you know everybody sure. knows you know Absolutely. who an FBI agent is and things like that and there's a lot of you know positive PR out there about that and so I was you know trying just to draw that comparison um, for our listeners um, but you all have a benefit of having a major PR tool your, your, yourselves you know with the with the TV shows that have been you know running for for several several years now um, tell us a little bit about you know what the TV show has has done for the face of the agency um you know what's real what's not real um and if you know you guys are at all involved in in consulting with them well um i think if you asked me 18 years ago when i started with the agency if we would have all these successful television shows i probably would have said no because people you're right did not know who we were um the tv show has provided us great awareness as an organization and one of the ways that we're successful as investigators is we get people to talk to us. And from that awareness, because of the TV show, um, people are more inclined to come up and they're going to report some stuff to us. They're going to want to talk to us about things that they see in their community. And that's that's how, how we become successful. Uh, the TV show, um, obviously, in, third, in, in an hour, I wish I could resolve a case and do a crime <laughs> scene and get that evidence back from the lab right. and get the confession. Um they don't uh, explain the paperwork that we have to do associated with some of those things. I think the TV shows are fantastic. Um, they consult with us. We typically do some script reviews to make sure they're technically accurate. Uh, we have some retired NCIS agents that consult for the shows. So we try to make them or they try to make them as factually um, accurate as they can with that whole model of being entertainment. So right. Yeah, I think- I, I, I've been a lawyer for well over 20 years, and I've never once had a Perry Mason <laughs> moment like like he had in, in court ever, ever. Um, do do Has a director, anybody ever had an opportunity to do a cameo or anything on the show? I, I believe um, not our current director. Has he been on? Yeah. Uh, several other directors have been on, too. Yeah, the, uh, the current director, uh, Andrew Traver, was on not long ago and was uh, actually shooting, and the uh, the character I forget which one it was asked him Hey where'd you learn to shoot like that and he said ATF <laughs> he's a former ATF agent oh so he was actually shooting yeah I thought you meant like shooting to pitch oh well right. I mean, he was he was pretending to shoot a firearm 
Right, right. I should let our listeners know, and I'm doing this for your wife, that Drew looks just like one of the actors on this show. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Maybe I have a face for radio, I think. So. I'm just kidding. So, um, so is it something, you know, I mean, do the employees talk about, you know, I just wonder if they talk about it. Did you see, you know, the show? I, I think people watch it, and, right. and uh, when you do it for a living, there's things, as, as you said, being an attorney, that you go, hmm. I understand we couldn't do that in that time frame, but they do talk about it. I think the the show has helped us with public affairs, uh, public service announcements. And like I said originally, if we can get the messaging back to protect our sailors and Marines with people coming forward, then that that's a huge success. Well, I think the point you made, which is, you know, can't be emphasized en- enough, um, you know, and it's, it's, it, it, it's how we're you know, sort of dealing with law enforcement across the board, we want people, you know, to be more comfortable with our law enforcement, even state and locals, federal, you know, that you say hi, to, you know, there's different programs that just get them more, more involved on a, on a community level, you know, that's very important. Um, but I look at it from an operational perspective. And, you know, look, only 1200 agents, you know, it's a big bad world out there, your job's hard. Right, you got you know you got to go investigate. You got to come ask questions. Sure, um, you got lawyers like me telling you, telling people not to not to cooperate and things like that. Um, you know, so the you know the more that they could do, I don't know if I want to say soften the image, but just you know, so that people aren't so afraid. Sure, you know, to talk to you know talk to me. You know, you're, 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 to understand that you're one of the good guys. Absolutely. Right? And That's we, it. We're one of the good guys. We're here to help. We're investigating. You know, we can't solve these crimes. We can't protect you, you know, unless we get, you know, cooperation. Absolutely. You know, and, and the show, I would think, breaks down, you know, some of, the, some of those barriers. A- absolutely. If it, it makes us approachable and we have millions of viewers that watch that show. And if one person says, I saw something that didn't seem right to me, and they pick up the phone or they text us or they, they go on the website, that could be the difference between somebody getting seriously hurt or some bad act happening to the Navy and the Marine Corps. And uh, that's that's a fantastic thing for us. Right. And, you know, that's consistent with one of your, you know, one of your components that you have on your, your website with the with the tip smart, tip submit and things like that, encouraging people. Um, to to tip you off when they see something that's not going that's wrong. Sure, and and we're we're trying to modernize, and <laughs> and every young sailor, marine, everybody has has a cell phone and is texting these days. Um, you know, my my children probably can text more better than they can uh, than write something here. Um, and we just want people to to alert us to these things, right. and not everything results in a criminal investigation, but. It's good to know. It's a di- different day from when I was in the military stationed overseas, and I had to schedule a monthly call home <laughs> and stand in line for and, the phone for the phone line. Now you so. can FaceTime with someone, right? And, and we'll we'll get into a little bit about that and a little bit later about what the, what the dangers of, of that could be. Sure. But so tell me, just kind of the uniqueness of the type of you know crimes that are against military members that may be different you know, than what we see out there, you know, with, with the rest of society, for example? Well, um, we see a lot of the same tra- tra- uh, crimes that the average person in the population encounters, but um, oftentimes um, we see certain crimes that the military members uh, could be more inclined to get targeted for. Um, they have very sensitive access with security clearances, 
um, and the jobs that they do day in and day out. So they could be targets for technology to be exploited, for information on what the military is doing, and just to be exploited based on their positions. Things that can make them vulnerable to blackmail and, and you know, different things like that that have, you know, and obviously they've got access to you know, to national security kind of kind of information. Yes. Um, you know, and when and they get disgruntled, they're disgruntled like anybody. And, you know, it's like I always say, like the little luggage locks, you're trying to keep honest people, you know, honest. Sure. Um, you know, there's some of that going on. But, but we see the same things. And, and like I said earlier about investigations, we see the general crimes things that drugs, fraud, rape, they're, they're happening to everybody. And the nexus is, is it an active duty member? Is it a sailor? Is it a Marine? Is it a dependent? Is it a DON civilian? Um, so that's our nexus to where we pursue those avenues. Tell us a little bit about um, the, you hear a lot in the news, um, and I may be putting you on the spot here a little bit. So Ed, I'm, I'm alerting Ed to jump Uh-oh. in if I ask a question, you know, you want to you qualify. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, information, not just Navy and Marines, it's, it's across the board. Um, with all of our armed services um, about sexual assault um, and things like that. I just wanted to just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how the NCIS approaches investigating those kinds of crimes. Do you have a special unit for that? Um, that's another radio show. Yeah, <laughs> another that, TV that show, I mean. Part, part two, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, we, we investigate all allegations of sexual assaults. Um, sexual assaults are a violation of the, the UCMJ Article 120, mm-hmm. um, and and we investigate every every allegation. So anyone that approaches us and says they were a victim of a sexual assault, um, everything is pursued, all logical leads, and, and we do a thorough and timely job on those investigations. Explain what UCMJ is for people who... Oh, sorry, the, uni- the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So depending on um, the jurisdiction of where the crime took place and like I said earlier about prosecuting that in a federal court or in a court martial um, via the uh, the uniform code of military justice so that's that's a good um, point we should make for our listeners so you know you often find yourselves in 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 a couple different tribunals like you know at least three that come to mind I mean if it could involve a state and local tribunal obviously it can involve you know federal court if it's you know involving contractors or something like that like fat Leonard investigation yes. which, which I know we can't talk about um, you know but if it's a pure crime you know under the UCMJ you're bringing that in a military tribunal correct yes okay. yes. And, and that's the uniqueness of the agency, because you mentioned state and local partners, too, is our outreach is to have those partnerships to work with other jurisdictions, because if there's a crime that happens in the local jurisdiction, we may have an option to prosecute it via, via the uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice, or the local district attorney may have that avenue. And we work side by side with local, county, state, federal law enforcement. So it, it's a discussion amongst the partners to say, Who's got the resources to do this? Who's the better avenue? And then we're the conduit to share that information with with the Navy. And one of the the things that we do is we're gonna we're gonna be able to be that conduit between the Navy and local things that happen out in, in the AOR, and we can share that information back with the Navy. Now this gets into the weeds of organizational law enforcement, but how does how does it work? Um, partnering or working when you've got cross-jurisdiction with the inspector generals, with either Maine DOD, OIG, or Navy IG, 
um, you know, how does you know how does the sharing of jurisdiction, you know, that stuff work? Well, well, typically with the inspector generals, um, we're we're pursuing a felony level investigation, right. and everything has to be deconflicted because you don't want multiple agencies pursuing the, the the same outcome, so to speak. So, we we have people at the DODIG. Um, we have an agent assigned over there. Oh, okay. So, so one of our keys to success is we do put people in the other law enforcement agencies as that conduit to share information. So we don't have people that are conducting concurrent jurisdiction, uh, concurrent investigations. We deconflict it. We have a common understanding of who's working it, and we share that information. So if there's concurrent jurisdiction, it's, you know, whoever started investigating it first is going to take the lead or? It's not necessarily always as black and white uh, as that, but it's <laughs> it's the relationships that we build with those organizations and and then there's a fourth venue as well, overseas. We'll, we, we will not uh, lead the investigation overseas, but we will partner with the uh, foreign right. uh, host nation. Right, because they're investigating crimes against their citizens, right. and, and you know they probably want On your cooperation. Yep. Um, now, do you find that's, – that's, that's, that's a good point. I mean, do you find you know, that they welcome you, know, you all in to help or assist, or do they see you – know, are they protective of what they're sort of they're doing? Well, you know, in an overseas environment, obviously there's there's um, potential political ramifications right. due to that. Um, and and NCIS is very good. We have very good host nation relationships where we are. Um, we have a good presence where the military population is, and um, through those relationships, we find a way to make it work. And it gets complicated. There's diplomatic immunity and things like that. And you've got to work with the State Department. You've got to work with our consulate officers, offices over there, attaches, and you know all that. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts. I you know I get that. Uh, we're going to stop here for our second break. Um, here with Andrew Lockley from NCIS and Ed Bice, and we are talking about the important work that the men and women do at NCIS. We'll continue our discussion about the agency after this break, and a word from our sponsor. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I am Tony Vernetti, and I've been talking with Andrew Lockley and Ed Weiss from the NCIS. Um, Drew, when I introduced you, I pointed out that you are um, the, the Assistant Director of the Cyber Directorate. Um, so, so much is changing in the world of law enforcement and how it interacts you know, with, with the cyber world. You know, we've got all the, you know, the breaches out there, you know, we got, you know, 
you know, things like sextortion, you know, the the recent marine nude photo scandal. I mean, there's just so much, you know, going on in the cyber world and it's kind of, you know, really the, the new frontier. Um, you know, tell us about, you know, sort of big picture, what the what the issue is, what the criminal issue and exposure is, um, and then what you all are doing about it, basically. So um, cyber is kind of the the new neighborhood for for NCIS. We, you know, I mentioned the traditional law enforcement investigations that we do in, in general crimes and counterintelligence, but we've developed a cyber directorate um, to look at that new neighborhood because we, we do have to modernize um, some of the traditional stuff that we have done. And, and the adversaries that are targeting sailors, Marines, Department of the Navy civilians, they're moving to the cyber domain. So, we have some extremely talented people in in cyber, very smart people that are that are moving us forward to how we navigate in that that domain. So, things that we have traditionally investigated um, a robbery. You're not going to go into somebody's house. You may and rob something, but now adversaries may go into someone's network and they may take information, and that may range from taking personal information, your social security number your bank account information, or trying to get Navy secrets. So we are trying to say, we're going to now pursue that adversary in those in, in that domain. We're going to pursue it with those special agent authorities that we have, um, just like any other area that was a threat to, to Navy entities. So uh, basic things, for example, uh, you know, identity theft, for example, mm -hmm. you know, which a lot of us have been, you know, victim of, you know, and things like that. Me as just a private citizen, you know, I can't, you can't get anybody in law enforcement really do anything about that. Um, are you all actively, you know, dealing with that stuff when it, when it impacts a military member? Or are they getting better? Here, they're getting better <laughs> protection than me. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to say we protect everybody within oh, the Department right. of the Navy very, very well. But um, a lot of it has to do with awareness, too. Right. And um, because I got no problem with that, by the way, because I think they're vulnerable. These things that we talked about before on blackmail, national sure. and the nexus to national security. And, you know, if, if they need special or better protections, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, and. Like I said earlier, the 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 activity against um, them is increasing. So, sex crimes. I'll give you an example of that. the The old days of of prostitution, sexual assault, child exploitation, human trafficking. That still goes on. Obviously, we still continue to do those investigations, um, and we do them very well. But now, when we're seeing child pornography online, people exchanging that. Um, the non-consensual photo uh, photography, like we saw in the uh, Marines investigation, people communicating threats through through the domain. We will investigate areas that are violations of law and, and that we can prosecute with our law enforcement authorities. But additionally, if we can make the the greater Department of the Navy aware of these threats that these are going going on, then we can reduce those. So what you're putting on social media, what you're putting online. And, and a lot of the sailors and Marines independents, they move a lot. So they're in different locations. And if we can make them aware of this makes you potentially vulnerable, this puts you at risk when you're posting things about your job, this 
makes you uh, put you at risk when you're dealing with people from you don't know where that are trying to befriend you online. Um, it, it's a risk, and if we can mitigate that through awareness, that's going to help reduce some of the the actual investigations that we have. And so, what are the you know what are the kind of things you're telling? Because you're right, because you've got you know you got military members all over you know the world. Um, you know, a lot of them are young. You know, single. You know, stationed in nice isolated you know places. They're trying to stay connected, you know, to their family, you know, their loved ones, girlfriend, you know, you know, what have you. But I mean, you know, what kind of, you know, like core guidance are you, are you giving them? I mean, we tell them you have to be careful just in and of itself, what you put on, on the internet. So I'm going to, I'm a, I'm a special agent. When I go into a house, I'm going to collect evidence of the crime and depending on what I'm investigating, I'm going, to, I'm going to seize paperwork. I'm going to seize digital media. We have almost 7,000 cases a year that we investigate. Every case almost has some type of digital media. It's a phone. It's a laptop. It's a tablet. So you could probably find more about you on your cell phone and in your history of what you've done than I could searching through your house. Right. Um, so when you put that online, you post photos you show where you are, you do not protect your passwords, and you use very generic passwords. Um, you befriend people that you don't know. It's gonna put you at risk. Um, and there's a lot of information. I don't know if people necessarily realize how much information can be collected just from what they are posting online about someone. Well, you know, and I tell people this all the time, and this is a little bit of a digress example, but we, you know, we talk about the Hatch Act, political, partisan political stuff, and it's like, so now fa what you put on Facebook or social media now is the new thing they look at, you know, and, um, you know, what my friend Anna Glenda Marone, who runs the Hatch Unit, Hatch Act Unit over at OSC, will tell you, which told me, you know, I was trying to get a handle on this to advise people, is you got to think of, you know, Facebook as your front lawn. The same stuff that you're allowed to put on there or not allowed to put on there is the same thing that Facebook. But from a law enforcement component, you know, that's, you know, inviting them into your home. And, you know, and you've, you know, you've got evidence of a, you know, crime on there or, you know, things that are on there that can make you vulnerable for somebody who's looking to exploit that. You know, we used to call in the, in the older days, I'm not sure if they use this, but OPSEC, different things Absolutely. like that, yep, they you know, you have in there and. You know, if you're talking about operate, you, know, you just maybe taking a picture. Here's where I'm at in Afghanistan. Sure. Here's where I'm at in this or that. You know, people who are looking at people who are looking to do our country harm are looking at that, looking at this. They're, you know, they're putting it, you know, all together. You know, and uh, put aside the the vulnerability to our our national security. You know, but you make yourself vulnerable personally. You know? Sure. And I think that's and it, it runs the gamut. It's your dependents. Um, yeah. Your family members colleagues that you deal with, and it can be from from the simplest larceny case where somebody's going to take money out of your bank account mm -hmm. via electronic means, all the way to a, a terrorist or an espionage type of event. Do you want to comment on that? Well, I was just going to say the, the individual and the national security risks are intertwined because if you have a sailor uh, or, a, or a Marine or another service member who gets involved in some sort of sextortion um, issue, which is basically... Um, something happens online and then all of a sudden you find out from the other end, hey, I recorded that thing and I'm going to put it on Facebook right. um, unless you give me money or unless you 
do something else for me. The military members are held to a much higher standard under UCMJ. There are things that they can get in trouble for that the average person cannot. So if you are able to extort money or extort secrets or extort um, access uh, or adultery, like for that. example, is a violation it's, it's of UCMJ violation. code. Right. Yeah. But if you're able to get the information that could then be used against the national security, that's a uh, that's a, a an intersection of of individual problem and national problem. No, and I, as I was doing research, I'm glad you mentioned the sex torsion, and not just because there's sex is in the word, but but it's I was fascinated to find that you had a. You had a, a flyer on it on your website because, you know, in my day job, my other line of work, I am seeing this happening to a lot of other federal agents, a lot of other, you know, people, you know, in law enforcement or in national security stuff, you know, and, you know, and what it is, you know, is, you know, you can be, you can meet somebody, you know, through Craigslist or some other group chat online, you know, and you you know, you send you somewhere where you're exchanging videos or different things like that, and they're posting you on, you know, they're recording it, and they're posting it on a website, and they're, you know, you need to send me X amount of dollars to, for us to take this down. And once you're on the hook, you're, you're cooked. Well, you're, and you're, I'm, they, they and, will never and stop. I'm here to tell you, you, you know, and then, you know, you need to go, you know, the, the security concern, you know, is, particularly if you were married or different things like that, um, is the blackmail. Absolutely. And now you need to go disclose this to everybody, you know, <laughs> you know. a very, very personal and, thing that you right. did. And, and there's a reluctance of people to come forward. Right. It's interesting so, to hear you say that other that you are dealing with other other agencies or other individuals who are doing the same thing, because that is really the foundation of sextortion is that people think that, uh, oh, my gosh, I have been taken advantage of. I've become a victim and they're ashamed to tell anybody what we are trying to do through education and enforcement. Both is to say you're not alone. You're no. you are a victim yeah. of these bad actors on the other end. So, you know, come forward, let us know about it, help us help you right. uh, through investigations and so forth. But the embarrassment factor is what causes people to be so reluctant to uh, report the crime. Right. Absolutely. Right. You know, and it's a, and, and yeah, and, the, you know, and, and you don't make matters work by not disclosing it, you know, to the agencies so that they can at least take their, you know, protective, you know, measures that they that they absolutely um, need to need to take. Um, you know, and so it's also kind of my just little public service announcement that, you know, you may think you're, you know, you're safe there on the World Wide Web, but you're really not anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know it's like I used to, all, when I used to teach, you know, federal employees just about sort of misconduct issues, you know, and I would have this whole little spiel where, look, I don't really care what you do in your personal life, all right, but don't do it under the flag, all right? Absolutely. You do it under the flag, you bring the government, you know, in, in your business. Right or wrong, unfortunately, if you've got a certain kind of job, there's always a nexus to your federal position sure. your military position you know to have you know military and federal stuff and you need to and they need to really sort of you know appreciate that and just and just really be careful you know and you know as your flyer says i mean they're the military folks are particularly vulnerable yeah you know because of all the things you know we talked about where they're at the information they have you know They've, you know, they've got a steady stream of income. Sure. You know, the amount they probably asked them for is is not too painful. It's just painful yeah. enough, well, you know, a couple thousand and go find that, you know. And they have their careers hanging in right. the balance. And you're not, you know, they're not asking for 50,000. And it just, it just makes you very, very vulnerable. So, so, you know, you know, a little word, word to the wise there. Um, so you guys are actively out there, 
you know, really educating, sure. um, you know, the military members. And I, I think that's, I think we, that's, we want them to be aware of the potential threats and we want them to come forward. And it goes back uh-huh. to what you mentioned earlier about being approachable and sharing information and reporting things that are, that are questionable. So how are you, this shifts gears a little bit because I'm always fascinated. Um, government used to lead the world, the industry and technology advancement. Okay. And then that's not the case anymore because we're so reliant on, on, you know, historic stuff that we had, you know, it's hard to break that down, you know, and, and start over, um, legacy systems. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. You know, you've got all these legacy systems, but there's all this massive new technology out there, you know, that the private sector has, you know, how are, you know, how's your agency doing, you know, tackling that problem, you know, modernizing, if you will? Well, um, it's great because you, just like you said, technology is outpacing. It's ever changing. Look at any of the technology that you have in our house. Um, we are trying to keep pace with that technology and it's difficult, but it goes back to our sharing with partners. Um, we 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 discuss and we engage academia, we engage industry because that's a partnership too. Um, we have personnel in NCIS that are looking to how can we keep our agent core at pace with the newest technology? Because obviously, if you're operating in a domain and you and your information is outdated, the bad guys are probably going to realize that too. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be a, a a factor to your success. Um, so we are trying to be innovative. We are trying to raise the entire capabilities of the organization um, to keep pace with that um, as far as training, as far as technology. And we're looking for innovative solutions to make the workforce be able to do their job better. But the domain is complicated. Are you recruiting? Are you maybe recruiting you know, cybersecurity specialists or cyber specialists that, you know, we do. Or training the, the, the 1811s? Yes. And, and what we... Those are special agents, by the way, people. Yes. So (laughs) we want the special agents to execute their special agent authorities. But we are are developing our computer scientists, our investigative computer specialists who do a lot of our forensics on our cases. um, And we are partnering them to how to navigate the neighborhood with with the special agent. The special agent knows how to go get the bad guy. And that partnership through the technical expertise is helping us navigate the domain better, and that's going to get us better success. Um, the the first technology officer for the federal government was under um, Obama's first administration was Anish Chopra, and I remember reading a book um, and I had him speak for an event I was at, um, and his message, you know, was he was talking about this how we you know got all these legacy systems and we're trying to bring it all together, um, but was about how to utilize all this data and this information that's in the entire federal government and how do we pull it all together? You know, how do we, you know, how do we, um, cooperate? Um, and that's something I've noticed in the, in the, in the law enforcement community, they're getting much better, you know, at, at information sharing and, and, and doing stuff like that. Big data is, is key, um, because there is so much data out there and, and how do you find that needle in the haystack that right. tells you where the bad guy is going to be? Um, so yes, we're doing better. Um, the technology is is allowing us to work smarter and to get that information quicker. Everything is real time. You need to know it tomorrow, right. um, so you can mitigate that threat. So right. w- we're doing better with big data, but it, it's hard to keep pace with technology. 
We're going to have to stop here for our third break to hear a word from our sponsor, Federal Long-Term Care Partners. When we return, we'll wrap up today's discussion about NCIS. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. We are entering our last segment of the show. Um, in our previous segment, we were talking a lot about, um, you know, cybersecurity or, you know, how to, you know, how to protect yourself. Um, you know, and it's kind of just a general message out there, not maybe necessarily just for military members, um, but how to generally protect yourself, you know, with all your social network things that, that you have out there, you know, your, your footprint out there. You know, I, I've got a teenage daughter, right? I mean, her head's in her phone, you know, yep. all day. Yes. And they communicate on Snapchat or whatever it is they're doing, you know, all the, you know, with emojis and this and that. Um, what kind of, and, and you know, and, and in the military, you're dealing, you know, a lot of 18-year-old men and women, you know, who grew up in that generation. Um, that's all they know. Yeah. You know, you know, what kind of, like, practical you know, advice, you know, are you giving them, you know, and, and how do you convince them to listen, I guess? Well, um, I have a teenager too, and, and it is a challenge to get them to, to listen. And, and the hard part is once you put this stuff out there, um, it's very hard to get, to get rid of it. So um, there, we, we do the awareness campaigns. We do provide them with information to say, okay, this may not be a criminal investigation, but Here's how you can remedy some of it. So we give them social media sites. How do you go back to that social media site and ask them to pull that information off for you? Or this is a false persona that somebody is using to act like you, and it doesn't it doesn't rise to the level of a criminal investigation. So we provide that awareness. We have our website. We have links to what you can do to report these types of offenses. And I think if it's a, a lot of people don't understand that some of these things are violations. And just tell us and just ask the question. Um, now, we're not the Internet police. We, we, we can't police the Internet. But if we give them the awareness to go and pursue some things that they are, they've been wronged or they perceive they're wrong, then, then it empowers them to go and do it. Right. You know, how do you deal with the, you know, if I talk about this, if I disclose this or if I've seen this or I'm involved in this, you know, I'm looking at something that's going to get me in trouble. You know, the reason I wanted to talk about the sextortion stuff and because I said I've seen a lot of it is you're not losing your job over this. I'm going to tell federal employees, yeah. you know, you're not yeah. losing your job. Were you going to, is there a nexus? Are you, are you potentially, if you're in law enforcement, are you going to have a job action? Yeah, probably. Sure. But you're not losing your career, yeah. you know, over that. And the danger in hiding it, obviously, you know, and keeping it, you know, and not disclosing it and things like that can make, make matters worse. Yeah. If Forex, the, the potential risk, Forex, outseeds the potential embarrassment or security clearance challenges. 
The cover-up um, is almost always worse than the crime, right? You know, trying right. to hide hide something. But I guess the the one suggestion or the one um, thought I would throw out there that we're that I'm seeing in in working on the you know the coverage of the sextortion cases and so forth is that people assume that they are anonymous on the internet, that they can somehow hide on the internet or pretend to be somebody else or. Uh, well, if I don't put my home address on there, I should be fine. Yeah. And, and right. uh, Drew can tell you from you know uh, being in the cyber directorate, that's ju- that's just fantasy. There is nothing anonymous on the internet. Right. And, and no. to, to expand on that is we'll we'll show the sailors. You you think that you're or the Marines or or whomever we're talking to is you think that this is anonymous? And with a couple clicks of the mouse, we could probably find information about you, your family, where you've lived. Um, and if we can do it in a in a couple of clicks, then a criminal, a foreign adversary, somebody who's targeting you can do it very easily. Mm-hmm. We were doing a project last year, and I had a bunch of interns working um, for me in the office, and there was some debate about who did something or where it came from. You know, when the kids just got online and found the IP address, yeah. you know, like that. Yeah. And so this was done up in Elmira, New York. So it could have been done, you know, here, there, where. They're, they're very savvy, and yeah. there's a lot of information out there. Um, we are very fortunate. The Navy has the Navy defends their networks very well. So they have Marine Forces Cyber Command, Tenth Fleet, U.S. Cyber Command. They harden the Navy's networks and they do the the uh, defense of the networks, kind of like the homeowners association that protects the neighborhood. Um, and we work very well with them. Um, so we are there are things in place to make things safe, but it's when you go outside that fence line, when you go out into that geographic, uh, non-geographic environment of the domain that it's kind of the Wild West sometimes. Jurisdiction is unclear. The other thing that I found, you know, through my career, um, you know, is I I always tell, if I'm teaching managers, for example, it's important for the manager, for the, the one the employee sees every day to communicate what the expectations are, right? So it's, not this faceless person in headquarters. There's a policy that says you can't do this. You sign off on this policy, that, and you don't you don't see it. But when you communicate that, or you have discussions about it, you know, in your management meetings, mm-hmm. you know, I found that you know I'm you know if you know Drew, if you're my manager and you tell me that I shouldn't be doing this on the yes and then no, no, and I do it, you know, I feel like I'm letting you down. You know, yep. I'm less inclined to let you down or do something. Absolutely. Um, you know. Or, you know, what I tell people all the time, yeah, you've got, you know, you're able to do some, you know, minor personal stuff at work. But, you know, you should assume if they look, they find it all. I don't care about your double deleting and you taking this and that. I mean, it's, I mean, they're, you know, it, it, it for technology, if the mind can conceive it, it they can do it. They, they right? absolutely There's can. very, very smart people out there. And I think people take it for granted, but you're right. There are very, very smart people. You talk about us employing smart people. There are right. some smart bad guys out there, too. So we have about two and a half, three minutes left. I want to do a little um, recruitment drive for anybody who's who's thinking about a career as a special agent in NCIS. Take us through your career a little bit, because I know you've been in some station so, at some wonderful places. Well, um, so so the, from the recruitment pitch, I will say that besides the special agents, we also have a great professional staff of analysts, um, computer scientists, um, investigative computer specialists. So we are we are looking for the best and brightest in all fields. Um, I got hired in, by NCIS in 1999. Um, I've lived in the Pacific Northwest. I've uh, lived in Hawaii, 
Guam. Um, I've been on board an aircraft carrier as the only civilian riding on an aircraft carrier. Um, I've been to the Middle East, Japan, Singapore, and I have worked everything from espionage and terrorist investigations to undercover narcotics. So it's a fantastic agency. You want to move and see the world and see a lot of disciplines. NCIS is, is the greatest agency in federal law enforcement. And where can somebody uh, just get more information if they're considering a career with your agency? You can go right on the website, ncis.navy.mil. Um, we have a text-a-tip um, hotline that you text crimes. It's anonymous. If there's anything they want to share with us, we have a hotline, one 579 3648 so fantastic organization. It has been very, very good to me for 18 years. Diverse mission, working with some of the most talented sailors and Marines, Navy civilians that you can ever ask for. And how do you, and so that's a good question because we have about a minute left. But um, you know, how is the interaction you know with with the military? Like when you're on the ship, for example, are they like, "Don't oh, talk to Drew"? Well, <laughs> so, sometimes um, you know we we see a very very small percentage of some negative things that happen. The Department of the Navy and our active duty are phenomenal, but crimes happen, and sometimes we're not the most popular. But we're doing that to ensure the readiness of the warfighter. Mm -hmm. So if there is a crime, we, we resolve it, we prosecute the bad guys, and we ensure the readiness of, of the Marine Corps and the Navy. So we're not popular, but we produce results that uh, make them better able to do their job. So when you're investigating a crime, when you're on a ship, for example, um, you know, and Let's say, you know, it's just you, yeah. right? I mean, you know, I used to joke, it's just me and my pen, yeah. you know, my, me and my briefcase. It's a long day. Right? I mean, but are you able to get, you know, additional resources if it's something serious? They send yeah, them out we, in a helicopter? And yes, we've send we've a team in to investigate. Um, uh, when I was on the ship, the greatest resource I had were the Master at Arms, the active duty um, military police type law right, enforcement that's what I was asking, yeah. and and they would assist and they would help out with interviews help out doing crime scenes um they're fantastic but we've flown special agents out to ships um to work a case death case homicides you name it and will they will they adjudicate a, like a felony case for example right there on the ship or are they gonna no usually they'll fly someone off and and if it's that serious when they can operationally they'll fly them back and then they'll prosecute it's them. just things i've always been curious about <laughs> they, they have some judicial actions that take place at sea but now i know for a fact there's a jail on the ship <laughs> they, they do there is there is the, so guys um ed you want to say something i was just gonna say the foreign partners that you work with as the agent on the ship making sure the ports are safe yeah, and, and that's one of the things, too, is it's the diversity of our mission to go into those ports and, and, and engage with our law enforcement counterparts to make sure that it is safe for that ship to, to uh, pull into. All right, that's all the time we have for the show today. Guys, thanks so much. That was a great show for you sharing this information about your agency's mission. Uh, just a reminder that Fed Talk is brought to you by the attorneys at Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a good weekend, everyone.